Okay, so today is Act 5. Um, I do not split up Act 5, so we're going to go straight through it. So you just got to stay with me, okay? So we start in Act 5 in Dunsinane, and that's extremely important to understand because we have that prophecy from the witches that said that um, Macbeth cannot be vanquished until Great Dunsinane, or Great Burnham Wood comes to Dunsinane Hill. Okay, so the fact that Act 5 is starting to take place in Dunsinane should be an example of dramatic irony because we know that prophecy. That's going to deal with Dunsinane. We have a doctor here and a gentlewoman, which is basically a servant to Lady Macbeth. I have two nights watched with you, but can perceive no truth in your report. When was it she last walked? Since his majesty went into the field, I have seen her rise from her bed, throw her nightgown upon her, unlock her closet, take forth paper, fold it, write upon it, read it, afterwards seal it, and again return to bed. Yet all this while in a most fast sleep. So Lady Macbeth has been sleepwalking. So this can tell us that she's not sleeping easy, that things are going on that's causing her to not rest well. A great perturbation in nature to receive at once the benefit of sleep and do the effects of watching. In this slumbery agitation, besides her walking and other actual performances, what at any time have you heard her say? So the doctor asks at the very end there, what has she said as she's sleepwalking? And the gentlewoman rep replies, that, sir, which I will not report after her. I'm not telling you, is what she says. And the doctor then responds, you may to me and tis most meet you should. He goes, I'm her doctor. I need to know this information. So it is okay for you to tell me. And the lady and the gentlewoman says, neither to you nor anyone having no witnesses to confirm my speech. She's like, with nobody here to tell you that what I'm saying aloud is true, that it really is what she said, I don't feel comfortable telling you what I have overheard. Okay? So Lady Macbeth comes in and she's holding a candle. Lo, you, here she comes. This is her very guise and upon my life fast asleep. Observe her, stand close. She goes, here she comes. And she's already, she's, she's sleepwalking right now so you can watch it and see how it works. How came she by the light? Why it stood by her. She has light by her continually. Tis her command. So Lady Macbeth is now demanding that at all times she has a candle um, with her. Okay. Obviously the guilt is starting to get to her. She does not like to be in the dark. You see her eyes are open. Aye, but their sense, but their sense is shut. What is she, what is it she does now? Look how she rubs her hands. It is an accustomed action with her to seem thus washing her hands. I have known her to continue this a quarter of an hour. So Lady Macbeth is walking around. She must have put the candle down. She's walking around and she's rubbing her hands as if she's washing them. Now, if you remember back in Act 2, Scene 2, she said a little water clears us of this deed. She's like, we can just wash this blood right off our hands. Now, she is just consistently attempting to wash her hands. She cannot get the blood off of it. And Lady Macbeth says, yet here's a spot. Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her to satisfy my remembrance the more strongly. Out, damn spot, out, I say. One, two, why then tis time to do it? Hell is murky. Fie, my lord, fie. A soldier and a feared. What need we fear who knows it when none can call our power to account? Yet who would have thought the old man to have so much blood in him? The very end there when she says, yet who would have thought the old man to have so much blood in him? She's referring back to Duncan's death. So she's saying this stuff out loud in front of people as she's sleepwalking. Obviously, she doesn't realize she's doing it, but she is. Do you mark that? Then Lady Macbeth says, the Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? What, will these hands never be clean? No more, oh that, my lord, oh no more of that. 
Umar Allah with this starting. She also talks about Macduff's family's murders here. So she's sleepwalking and she's giving away the fact that she knows about all of these murders. Go to, go to, you have known what you should not. She has spoke what she should not. I am sure of that. Heaven knows what she has known. So both of them know that she should not be saying these things out loud. Like nobody should know these things. And then Lady Macbeth says, here is the smell of the blood still. So she's looking at her hands and she cannot get the smell of blood off of them. And then she says, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Oh, oh, oh. Way back in Act 2, Scene 2, I told you that later on there would be a line that echoed one of Macbeth's. Okay, so in Act 2, Scene 2, you need to go back. I told you to mark it. I told you to dog ear the page. But you're trying to find the line that says, well, all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand. Okay. And that is going to echo this one where she says, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. So back in act two, scene two, Macbeth was saying, no water could clean my hands. Now she's saying, no perfume is going to get the smell off my hands. They are echoing. And you can bet your bottom dollar on the quiz on Tuesday. I'm going to ask you for both quotes. I want both of them. Okay. Then the doctor says, what a sigh is that? The heart is solely charged. I would not have such a heart in my bosom for the dignity of the whole body. Well, well, well. Pray God it be served. This disease is beyond my practice. Yet I have known those which have walked in their sleep who have died holily in their beds. And then Lady Macbeth talks again. She says, wash your hands, put on your nightgown, look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Banquo's buried. He cannot come out on one's grave. Once again, there's another one. So she's literally confessed to Duncan's murder, Macduff's family's murders, and to Banquo's murder. Even so, to bed, to bed, there's knocking at the gate. Come, 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 give me your hand. What's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. And Lady Macbeth leaves. Will she go now to bed? Directly. Foul whisperings are abroad. Unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. Okay, so unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles is basically saying she would not be having problems sleeping. She wouldn't be confessing these things if she had not done horrible things. Infected minds to their deaf pillows will discharge their secrets. More needs she the divine than the physician. God, God, forgive us all. Look after her. Remove from her the means of all annoyance and still keep eyes upon her. You read that, 70 and 71. It says annoyance means self-injury. The doctor is very worried that um, with the confessions that Lady Macbeth just had, plus her sleepwalking, that she's suicidal. So he says, keep an eye on her. <laughs> keep everything away from her that, could, that she could harm herself with. So good night, my mind, she has made it and amazed my sight, I think, but dare not speak. Good night, good doctor. Okay, so that is scene one. Going into scene two. We just have a bunch of our um, Scottish soldiers here, okay? The English power is near, led on by Malcolm, his uncle Seward, and the good Macduff. Revenge, revenge is burnt in them for their dear causes. Would to the bleeding and the grim alarm excite the mortified man. So Menteith is like, oh, we've heard that really close by. Um, Malcolm and Macduff and Seward and the entire English army is here, okay? And then Angus says, near Burnham Wood, shall we meet them? That way they are coming. So here plays into our prophecy again. So Angus is basically saying, hey, we're supposed to go to Burnham Wood, and that's where we will meet up with Malcolm and the army, okay? So that's where they're headed. Who knows if Donald Bain be with his brother? For certain, sir, he is not. So here we find out Donald Bain is not joining Malcolm. I have a file of all the gentry. There is Seward's son and many unruffed youths 
that even now protest the first of manhood. What does the tyrant? So Menteith's like, what is Macbeth up to? And Kathniss says, great Dunsinane, he strongly fortifies. So he has like locked himself into Dunsinane Castle. Some say he's mad. So he's basically just yelling and he's going crazy inside the castle. Um, others that lesser hate him do call it a valiant fury, but for certain he cannot buckle his distempered cause within the belt of rule. Now does he feel his secret murder sticking on his hands? People are already catching wind that obviously he killed Duncan, he killed Banquo, and he killed Macduff's family. These aren't secrets. And then and it's all starting to come out. Now minutely revolts upbraided his faith breach. Those he commands move only in command, nothing in love. That I want you guys to definitely underline. It goes back to that common lit that we read about the prince where um, they're saying those he commands move only in command, nothing in love. People that, that are, are fighting for you that are only fighting out of duty are only going to do the least amount. They will not die for you. Okay. And so that's what they're saying. They're like, they're only scared of him. That's the only reason why they're fighting. Now does he feel his title hang loose about him like a giant's robe upon a dwarfish thief? Once again, we've got our clothing motif saying that that title is like a robe um, and it's hanging loose. It doesn't fit him anymore. That crown is definitely not doing well. And then I like the um, imagery of a dwarfish thief. So they even um, comment on the fact that he didn't get that title fairly. He stole it. Who then shall blame his pestered senses to recoil and start? When all this is within him does condemn itself for being there. Well, march we on to give obedience where tis truly owed. Meet we the medicine of the sickly wheel, and with him pour we in our country's purge each drop of us. Or so much as needs to do the, to, to do the sovereign flower and drown the weeds, make we our march towards Burnham. Okay, now we're going into scene three. It's in Dunsinane, and we've got Macbeth, who starts off with, Bring me no more reports, let them fly all, till Burnham Wood removed to Dunsinane I cannot taint with fear. What's the boy Malcolm? Was he not born of woman? The spirits that know all mortal consequences have pronounced me thus. Fear not, Macbeth, no man that's born of woman shall ever have power upon thee. Then fly, false thanes, and mingle with the English epicures. The mind I sway by and the heart I bear shall never sag with doubt nor shake with fear. He's basically walking around and he's he's very overconfident. He's like, who cares? I don't care what's happening out there. The witches have told me that nothing can harm me. So he's he's very overconfident. A servant comes in. The devil damn thee black, thou cream-faced loon. Where gottest thou that goose look? There is 10,000. Geese, villain? Soldier, sir. Go prick the face and overread thy fear, thou lily-livered boy. What soldier's patch? Death of thy soul, those linen cheeks of thine are counselors to fear. What soldier's wayface? The English force. So please you. Take thy face hence. Satan, I am sick at heart when I behold. Satan, I say. This push will cheer me ever or deceit me now. I have lived long enough. My way of life has fallen into the seer, the yellow leaf, and that which should accompany old age as honor, love, obedience, troops of friends. I must not look to have, but in their stead, curses not loud but deep, mouth, honor, breath, which the poor heart would fain deny and dare not. Satan. Okay, I do want you guys to catch the irony in the fact that his most trusted servant is named Satan. I also want you to think of the other times that we've seen this, okay? The porter said he was the hell gate, he was the um, gatekeeper to hell. Um, and in the la in Act 4, um, when I don't know if it was Malcolm or Macduff off the top of my head, but they also talked about how Macbeth 
was that most prized ruler and favorite of King Duncan, and he's the one that has fallen. And they compared him to Lucifer, who was the brightest angel that had the farthest to fall. So we've got a lot of um, we've got a lot of allusions towards hell and Satan and the devil and Lucifer. So Shakespeare keeps playing that even right here. At this point, this is the first time we've met this servant named Satan. Okay, so Satan comes in. What's your gracious pleasure? What news more? All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. I'll fight till from my bones my flesh is hacked. Give me my armor. So Macbeth says, get me my armor. And then Satan says, tis not needed yet. You can't even see the soldiers. You were looking out. No soldiers can be seen. You do not need to put on armor yet. And Macbeth says, I'll put it on. Send out more horses. Scur the country round. Hang those that talk of fear. Give me mine armor. And then he looks at the doctor and he goes, how does your patient, doctor? And so he's talking to the doctor about Lady Macbeth. And the doctor says, not so sick, my lord, as she is troubled with thick coming fancies that keep her from her rest. He's like, she's not sick. There's stuff going on in her mind that's making her uneasy. And Macbeth says, cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased, pluck from the memory of her rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet oblivious antidote, cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart? And the doctor says, therein the patient must minister to himself. Like, I can't do anything. She's got to get over this guilt. There's nothing I can do about it. Throw physic to the dogs. I'll none of it. Come, put mine armor on. Give me my staff. Satan, send out. Doctor, the thane's flying from me. Come, sir, dispatch. If thou couldst, doctor, cast the water of my land, find her disease, and purge it to a sound and pristine health. I would applaud thee to the very echo that should applaud again. Pull it off, I say. What rhubarb, senna, or what purgative drug would scour these English hence? Hearest thou of them? I, my good lord, your royal preparation makes us hear something. Bring it after me. I will not be afraid of death in vain till Burnham Forest come to Dunsinane. Were I from Dunsinane away and clear, prophet again should hardly draw me here. It's like, I don't even want to be at Dunsinane. I'm getting out of here as quickly as possible. Okay, going into scene four, we are just outside of Burnham Wood. Malcolm is here, Macduff is here, um, Seaward, and then those guys that we had seen earlier, the Scottish people. Okay, cousins, I hope the days are near at hand that chambers will be safe. We doubt it nothing. What wood is this before us? The wood of Burnham. Okay, watch. This is how our first prophecy is coming true. Malcolm tells them. Let every soldier hew him down a bow and bear it before him. Thereby shall we shadow the numbers of our host and make discovery air in report of us. So he says to his 10,000 men, see these woods? I want you to all cut down a branch and you are going to put it in front of you so that they cannot count us. We don't want them to know how many of us there are. So we are going to hide that. Okay. So you take, they're, they're cutting down the the, the trees, they're putting it in front of them. Now, if you were sitting at the castle and 10,000 men had branches in front of them and they all started walking towards the castle, from the castle, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like the woods began to move. Okay? It shall be done. We learn no other but the confident tyrant still keeps, keeps still in Dunsinane and will endure our setting down before it. Tis his main hope. For where there is advantage to be given, both more and less hath given him the revolt, and none serve with him but constrained things whose hearts are absent too. Let our just censures attend the true event, and put we on industrious soldiership. 
The time approaches that will with due decision make us know what we shall say we have and what we owe. Thoughts speculative, their unsure hopes relate, but certain issue strokes but must arbitrate, towards which advance the war. Okay, so now they head, they're heading to Dunsinane. Okay, we are in scene five. We're in Dunsinane Castle. We have Macbeth, Satan, and other soldiers. Hang out our banners on the outward walls. The cry is still they come. Our castle's strength will laugh a siege to scorn. Here let them lie till famine and the og eat them up. Were they not forced with those that should be ours, we might have met with dareful beard to beard and beat them backwards home. There is a scream from a woman. What is that noise? It is the cry of woman, my good lord. I have almost forgot the taste of fears. The time had been, my senses would have cooled to hear a night shriek and fell my and my fell of hair would at dis, dismal treatise rouse and stir as life were in it. I have supped full of horrors, direness familiar to my sla slaughterous thoughts cannot once start me. Okay, so if we go back up to line 10, he says, I have almost forgot the taste of fears. The time has been, my senses would have cooled to hear the night shriek. Remember right after he killed Duncan, like every little noise was making him jump. Now that doesn't bother him at all. He goes, man, I don't even remember what it feels like to fear something. Okay. And then he asks at the very end on line 17, wherefore was that cry? He's like, so where did that come from? And Satan responds, the queen, my lord, is dead. Now, I will tell you at the very, very, very end of the play, we find out she commits suicide. So, but I'm telling you now here. So he gets news that his wife is dead. Okay. And he says, she should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. He really doesn't have time right now to grieve for his wife. Okay. And then we go into Macbeth's most famous speech. It's one of the most famous speeches in all of Shakespeare. And it's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. When you're living life, it feels like it creeps by very slowly, very slowly, especially when you guys are your age. You guys just cannot wait to be adults and be able to make your own decisions and move out on your own or get those car keys or be able to do things without somebody telling you you're allowed to. Okay. So it feels like life is going so slow. Okay. And that's what he's kind of, kind of saying. And then he says, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. And yet we never look at our past and our past is leading that literally our life is just lived to lead to death. That's what we live for. We live to die. Okay. Out, out grief candle. But then he says, look at how easy life can be put out. It's, it's easy as blowing out a candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor prattler that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. I mean, after you die, your family mourns you, but in all honesty, once you die, you're gone. And after a while, sometimes your legacy fades and you are no more. You're, nobody remembers you. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And he's not thinking a lot about life right now. He's thinking it's not worth much. Okay. Okay. So. Enter a messenger. Thou comest to use thy tongue, thy story quickly. Gracious my lord, I should report that which I saw. I say I saw, but know not how to say it. So he basically is like, um, I've got something I need to report to you, but I don't know how to tell you. Well, say it, sir. As I did stand my watch upon the hill, I looked towards Burnham and Anon. Methought the wood began to move. He's like, I swear I was looking out at Burnham Wood, and I think the woods began to move. They're starting to walk. Macbeth says, liar and slave, 
Let me endure your wrath, if it be not so. Within this three mile, may you see it coming, I say, a moving grove. Because you go look for yourself. I'm telling you, it's moving. And Macbeth says, if thou speakest false upon the next tree, shalt thou hang alive. I will kill you if you are lying to me. Till famine cling thee, if thy speech be sooth, I care not if thou dost for me as much. I pull in resolution and begin to doubt the equivocation of the fiend that lies like truth. Fear not till Burnham Wood do come to Dunsinane, and now a wood comes towards Dunsinane. Arm, arm, and out. If this which he avouches does appear, there is nor flying hence nor tearing here. I again to be weary of the sun, and wish the state of the world were now undone. Ring the alarm bell, blow wind, come rack, at least we'll die with harness on our back. Okay, so he's a little bit more nervous. He's like, we might want to ring a bell, ring the alarms. We might need to get ready to fight because something's happening that wasn't supposed to happen. Okay, we are in Dunsinane right outside of the castle. We got Malcolm, Seward, and Macduff. Now near enough, your leafy screens throw down and show like those you are. So we feel like, throw down your, throw down the trees. You, worthy uncle, shall with my cousin, your right noble son, lead our first battle. Worthy Macduff and we shall take upon what else remains to do according to our order. Fare you well. Do we but find the tyrant's power tonight? Let us be beaten if we cannot fight. Make all our trumpets speak. Give them all breath, those clamorous harbingers of blood and death. Okay, we're going into the end of this the end of this play. We've only got a couple more pages. So the battle starts. They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear like I must fight the course. What's he that was not born of woman? Such a one am I to fear or none. So he still is feeling pretty confident. He's only got a little bit of fear in him because he still does isn't going to be killed by anybody born of woman. So here comes young Seaward. This kid is a teenager. What is thy name? Thou be afraid to hear it. Know that though thou callest thyself a hotter name than any is in hell, my name is Macbeth. The devil himself could not pronounce a title more hateful to mine ear. No, no more fearful. Thou liest, abhorred tyrant, with my sword. I'll prove the lie thou speakest. They fight, he kills young Seward. Thou was born of woman, but swords I smile at, weapons laugh to scorn, brandished by a man that's of a woman born. He's almost like laughing at young Seward, like you never stood a chance because you were born of woman. Macbeth leaves, Macduff walks onto stage. The way the noises, tyrant, show thy face. If thou beest slain and with no stroke of mine, my wife and children's ghosts will haunt me still. He's very worried somebody else is going to get to Macbeth before him. And he basically says, Macduff says that if he does not kill Macbeth himself, then his family is going to haunt him. I cannot strike at wretched currents whose arms are hired to bear their staves. Either thou, Macbeth, or else my sword with an unbattered edge I sheathe again undeeded. Unde there thou shouldst be. By this great clatter, one of greatest note seems brooded. Let me find him fortune, and more I beg not. He leaves. Malcolm and Seward come onto the stage. This way, my lord, the castle's gently rendered. So he says, Seward basically looks at Malcolm and Malcolm. says, everyone in the castle has surrendered. The tyrant's people on both sides do fight. The noble thanes do bravely in the war. The day almost itself professes yours, and little is to do. So everybody that was on Macbeth's side is now on Malcolm's, and the castle is completely surrendered. We have met with foes that strike beside us. Enter, sir, the castle. Okay, so here it is. This is our big scene. Macbeth and Macduff come face to face. Why should I play the Roman fool and die on mine own sword? Whiles I, whiles I see lives, the gashes do better upon them. 
Okay, so when he says, why should I play the Roman fool and die on my own sword? So he knows that everybody has surrendered and he's the only one fighting, but he refuses to surrender or commit suicide. Okay, he's not doing it. McDuff enters. Turn, hellhound, turn. Of all men else, I have avoided thee. Get thee back. My soul is too much charged with blood of thine already. He goes, oh, you are the one that I've been avoiding. And he goes, I think you should step back. I already have too much blood on my hands. That is yours. So he's taunting him with the fact that he killed his entire family. Doesn't seem like a good idea right now. Macduff says, I have no words. My voice is in my sword, thou bloodier villain. Then terms can give thee out. He goes, I don't, I'm not talking to you. I'm going to speak with my sword. So they start to fight. Okay, sword fight starts. And then Macbeth says, thou losest labor. That means you are wasting your time. Okay, and then he goes on to explain. As easy mayest thou the entrenchment air, with thy keen sword impress as make me bleed, let fall thy blade on vulnerable crests. I bear a charmed life, which must not yield to one of woman born. So he's like, you're wasting your time. I need you to know that I have been blessed. And I, I have been told that no one born of woman can kill me. So you are wasting your time. And Macduff says, despair thy charm. And let the angel whom thou still hast served tell thee, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely writ. Okay, so here's how this plays. Once again, just like the trees didn't technically uproot and start walking, Malcolm made them happen. There is a twist. Remember, they were going to confuse Macbeth and they were going to make him feel invincible. When they say born of woman, it means a natural birth. It means your mother pushed you out completely. It was a natural. Okay. That is not how Macduff was born. He was born by C-section. The doctor cut open her womb and pulled the baby out. Okay. So the mother did not bear the child. The doctor did. And that means that he can kill Macbeth, which is the whole reason why the witch has told him at the very beginning, the very first prophecy was beware Macduff, and then gave him two other prophecies that made him feel safe. If he would have listened to that first one, he should, then he wouldn't be in the spot right now. Accursed be that tongue that tells me so, for it hath cowed my better part of man. And be these juggling fiends no more believed, the palter with us in a double sense that keep the word of promise to our ear and break it to our hope. I'll not fight with thee. He goes, I'm not fighting you. And Macduff says, then yield thee, coward. Go surrender. And live to be the show and gaze of the time. We'll have thee, as our rarer monsters are, painted upon a pole and underwrit. Here may you see the tyrant. And Macbeth then replies, I will not yield to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet and to be baited with the rabble's curse, though Burnham would do be come to Dunsinane and though opposed, being of no woman born, yet I will try the last. He goes, I refused about him, Malcolm. I don't care if all the prophecies have come true. I am going to fight till the end. Before my body, I throw my warlike shield, lay on Macduff, and damned be him that first cries hold enough. They fight. They fight off stage. They come back on stage fighting, and Macbeth is killed. Macduff kills Macbeth. Okay? And then they leave the stage. Okay? And then on stage comes Malcolm, Seward, and Ross, and the other thanes. Now, they do not know what happened to young Seward. They do not know what happened to Macbeth, and they do not know what happened to Macduff. Okay? Malcolm says, I would the friends we miss were safe arrived. 
Some must go off, and yet by these I see, so great a day as this is cheaply bought. Macduff is missing, and your noble son. Your son, my lord, has paid a soldier's debt. So Ross looks at Seward and says, young Seward is dead. He only lived but till he was a man, the which no sooner had his prowess confirmed in the unshrinking station where he fought, but like a man he died. Then he is dead, I and brought off the field. Your cause of sorrow must not be measured by his worth, for then it hath no end. Had he his hurts before, I on the front. Why then, God's soldier be he. Had I as many sons as I have hairs, I would not wish them to a fairer death. So he, so his null is nulled. So basically he asks where, Seward says, are his hurts on his front? So he's basically asking, are all the wounds on the front of his body? It, if you have your wounds on the front of your body, it shows that you died fighting. So then he says, well, good, because that means that he died a noble death. Okay. Then Malcolm says he's worth more sorrow and that I'll spend for him. He's worth no more. They say he parted well and paid his score. And so God be with him. Here comes newer comfort. Here comes Macduff, and Macduff enters with Macbeth's head. Hail, king, for so thou art. Behold where stands the usurper's cursed head. The time is free. I see thee compassed with thy kingdom's pearl that speak my salutation in their minds, whose voices I desire aloud with mine. Hail, king of Scotland. So he basically names Malcolm King. Hail, king of Scotland. We shall not spend a large expense of time before we reckon with our several loves and make us even with you. Okay, so there's three things Malcolm's going to do. It's the first things he's going to do as king. The first one is, he says, my thanes and kinsmen, henceforth be earls. The first that ever Scotland in such an honor named. So he's making everybody who's a thane an earl. So he's trying to wipe the slate clean so that um, he just wants Scotland to start fresh after Macbeth's reign. Then he goes on and says, which would be, what's more to do, which would be planted newly with the time. Planted with the time. Lost my spot. As calling home our exiled friends abroad that fled the snares of watchful tyranny. So the second thing he's doing is anybody who was banished out of Scotland or ran out of fear, he's bringing them back to Scotland. And then the third thing is producing forth the cruel ministers of this dead butcher and his fiend-like queen, who as tis thought by self and violent hands took her, took her life. He says that anybody who sided with Macbeth and Lady Macbeth will go on trial. We do find out in line 81, took off her life. That is where we find out she committed suicide. This and what needful else that calls upon us by the grace of grace, we will perform in measure time and place. So thanks to all at once and to each one whom we invite to see us crowned at Scone. So they're heading to Scone to see Malcolm crowned the King of Scotland. The end.